You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. This show is dedicated to asylum seekers and refugees and we're going to be covering quite a bit of material today. First up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Ian from the Refugee Action Coalition and he's from New South Wales, and we'll be speaking with Ian about the fact that human rights and legal organisations are calling on the federal parliament to reject new laws that would allow the Morrison government to stifle criticism of immigration detention, reduce transparency and cut off crucial support for the people detained in immigration detention. Basically, the Migration Amendment Prohibiting Items in Immigration Detention Facilities Bill 2020 is being debated, although we will speak to Ian about the timing of that debate um, and what's going on there. The bill would give sweeping unchecked powers to the Minister for Home Affairs to ban almost any item in detention, including mobile phones, and allow private security contractors to search for and seize items from individuals or whole groups of people in immigration detention without cause. So I'm going to be talking to Ian about that and we'll be speaking in particular about mobile phones and the very terrible things that could happen, the mental health of the refugees and refugees and asylum seekers being cut off in detention if those phones are taken away. And so I've been reading, actually, from a media release that was put out by the Human Rights Law Centre at the beginning of September. So, yeah, we'll be speaking to Ian shortly about that. And then after that, we'll be speaking with Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective. And he'll be giving us a few updates from Victoria about some of the events that have been planned in regards to... Um, an action that's coming up in October and it's a it's a rally in pairs and there'll also be some online stuff and looking at protesting against this bill as well, in particular the fact that phones are a lifeline. And I'll also be discussing with Chris an event that's coming up on Saturday at 2 o'clock. It's a Zoom 
meeting and Melbourne Activist Legal Support is organising a fantastic event actually where there'll be a number of speakers. Chris will be one of these speakers looking at the right to protest during the pandemic. And in fact, there are, there are different ways to protest. There are safe ways to protest and those things will be looked at and also in terms of the fact that there, there is some crushing of dissent. So, yeah, coming up um, now will be Ian very, very soon. Hi, we're the Marindas and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855am. This lasting delusion about children trapped in tunnels. That's how we got Aussie Q, it seems, and now everything else. I mean, now it's just a six-month pipeline from that to Australians who who, who live in this alternate uh, American fantasy land where they post about Donald Trump all the time. So its ability to, via Save the Children stuff, to get a whole range of different political persuasions in is what I found fascinating, you know? I talk a lot in the Aussie Q videos about how your auntie, she might not be that far-right wing now but she might be quite left she might just be a spiritual hippie type but there's this broad appeal to things like save the children and great awakenings there's almost a hippie like quality to it particularly when you tone down the whole MAGA element of, of traditional Q and it's getting people in there but Q is not just a conspiracy theory is it it is this conspiracy theory that is meant to drag you right after a few months so your auntie's gonna be talking about make Australia great again in six months if she isn't right now You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And coming up now is Ian from the Refugee Action Coalition. Hello, Ian. Welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, Marissa. And how are you bearing up with stage four restrictions? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not doing doing too bad in New South Wales, uh, so it's not oh, quite. Stay, New South Wales is not stage four, is it? No, that's right. We're doing okay in that regard, Marissa. Yeah, but still got some of the same issues Melbourne's got about protests. We have a lot of trouble with the, uh, you know, the police, state government using the COVID regulations to really stamp down on any ability to <clears throat> you know, protest what's happening in detention. Yeah, it's it's actually next Monday I'm going to be interviewing hopefully Patty Gibson and also Paul, um, who is the, the nephew of David Dunguy, and looking at an event that's being organised by Mel. So we'll talk about that, a lot of stuff that's going on in New South Wales. Very good, very good, yes. Yeah, they were very involved in uh, a, big, a couple of big Black Lives Matter rallies in you know, in Sydney, uh, one of which, uh, well, both of which, you know, could draw a lot of attention from the police, unfortunately. It's pretty bad, especially when a lot of those protests were about Aboriginal deaths in custody, including David Dungai. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy. Ian, I'm wondering if you could just talk to us about what's happening with the with home affairs right now. What's the go here that there's some type of migration amendment prohibiting items in immigration detention facilities bill and what does this mean for asylum seekers and refugees and is it being debated in parliament right now 
Um, not right now. It's uh, due to come back into Parliament uh, in the next sitting, which is going to be a budget sitting. So it, it was scheduled uh, and it was passed by the House of Representatives in the, the last uh, sitting, about uh, three weeks ago now. Uh, and it was sh- scheduled uh, for debate in the Senate, uh, but it, that, it, it wasn't debated in the Senate. Um, and what we know out of the last time around is that um, it comes down to uh, Jackie Lambie's vote. Uh, it's, it's very clear that, well, it's been established now that you know Labor, the Greens, and uh, the vast the majority of the crossbenchers are going to vote against the bill. Uh, Jackie Lambie hasn't yet indicated which way you know, she's going to going to vote. So it's going to come down to her vote again. And uh, so there's been a lot of attention paid to you know to Jackie Lambie. A lot of representations have been made. There's a petition of. Um, we got close to 500,000 signatures, actually, that was presented uh, to the Senate and to her uh, from people who you know, are opposed to the bill, as well as uh, a lot of individual people who are in detention, uh, people who, you know, people, you know, Afghan vet- veterans of one sort or another who have been in touch with uh, Jackie Lambie to explain just what the bill will mean to people who are in detention if it uh, if it is passed and uh, and. The government is given the power. Well, the border force will be given the power to uh, take, you know, mobile phones and uh, you know laptops and, as you said, in this direction, pretty much anything else that they uh, they decide they want to take, um, they'll have the power to take it. So, is it fair to say that this is cruel and unusual punishment? Um, yeah, look, I think that's a fair way to describe it. I mean, the history of the mobile phones in detention. I mean, it's a very long. You know, history associated it goes right back to the creation of the detention centres. Really, when the only form of communication were uh, you know payphones. You know, people, you know, 400, 500 people, you know, would line up uh, to use as the only phones that were available. There's been a long, long struggle uh, to uh, get uh, the right for people who are in detention. Um, people should remember they're not they're not charged with anything and they're not guilty of any crime. Uh, but it's been a long, long struggle uh, to establish the right of people to have. Uh, mobile phones, you know, in in detention. Um, I think it is it. Um, it's hard to get across actually what it does mean. Uh, I think that when the bill was going through, um, I don't. I think f- from my point of view, I saw so many people are in detention, uh, you know, appealing to uh, the politicians and you know, ultimately Jackie Lambie because of what it would mean in terms of their ability to communicate with their with their families in particular. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't come out about the uh, the, the limitations that are in some places in Yonga Hill, for example, there are effectively rosters. People can't get to the uh, the computers uh, you know, to you know, contact uh, family and friends, you know, when they when they need. Uh, they're, um, they're 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 restricted, uh, and that if they did you know take away the mobile phones, then it would mean you know a complete in- inability in a time when there are no visits in detention, and they've not been able to be visited since uh, March. Yeah, so um, it's a big big issue and a major cause of stress for people who are in detention. And not to mention also accessing pertinent legal representation. 
Yes, well, that's another big issue which has been posed very sharply by the transfer of people and reopening Christmas Island, the transfer of people to Christmas Island. I mean, pretty much all those people have some kind of ongoing, you know, sort of legal uh, legal action of one sort or another. Um, but the uh, the difficulties of uh, communication with Christmas Island, um, it's only Telstra uh, as the only the only um, you know mobile phone carrier which you know, covers. Uh, you know, Christmas Island uh, reception is not always uh, is not always good. Uh, if they were to have mobile phones taken away and they were to rely totally on, you know, what communication they could get inside the detention centre, well, I mean, one of the issues which bothers people enormously is the uh, capacity of border force uh, to monitor, you know, their uh, their communications if the their only access is through a uh, a phone or a computer which is provided, you know, by Home Affairs inside the detention centre itself. The Doing Time show has been involved and its programmers have been primarily involved in doing some fantastic interviews with asylum seekers but via the mobile phone. But it's not only just about interviews, it's also about having conversations with um, men and women who are suicidal and who have also been hospitalised as a result of not just attempted suicide but also profound and chronic anxiety and it's it's absolutely a violation it's a disgrace that these phones may be taken away not to mention computers also ian isn't there a little bit of history involved with jackie lambie what didn't she do a deal with liberals in the past yes well this is uh asylum bill uh, yes, it's about the Medivac bill. Yeah, it was uh, Jackie yeah, Lambie's. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it was Jackie Lambie's vote which um, allowed the government to repeal the Medivac bill. <coughs> so she's got uh, she's got history, unfortunately, <coughs> of voting the wrong way and being um, very open to approaches from the Morrison government. I mean, over the Medivac bill, she said there was some kind of uh, trade-off that there'd been offers that she'd been given guarantees or reinsurances of some sort or another, none of which has ever become public. But what we do know is that her vote allowed them to repeal the Medivac bill and many people who still need medical treatment, who had been approved for medical treatment prior to that uh, repeal, are still uh, on Nauru and Manus Island, have not been transferred for the medical uh, treatment they need, uh, thanks to Jackie Lambie's vote. So, um, you know, we're pushing very hard and lots of organisations have been doing a lot of lobbying, a lot of approaches to Jackie Lambie, but um, we're, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, very concerned that the fate um, of something which is so serious should, uh, you know, come down to uh, Jackie Lambie's vote. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, well, we'll have to see what happens there. I'm, I'm hoping that it's not, you know, that this doesn't happen. Um, yeah, yeah. No, we're all we're all hoping. I mean, there's certainly a lot of a lot of pressure, and there's a lot of you know people uh, you know in uh, Tasmania and you know unions for refugees, refugees themselves, and you know who have you know made it very clear to Jackie you know that what the consequences will be uh, for the the mental health of people who are in, 
in detention and also, you know, their uh, you know their families, many families, whether it's Iraq or Afghanistan or Iran, uh, everywhere you've got real problems with you know what COVID and the effects of COVID on the you know on families who are still stuck in places where they're facing you know persecution and danger anyway with COVID on you know on top of that uh, for you know that uh, people who are in detention not be able to contact their families to be cut off from uh, you know that kind of connection uh, the damage would be extraordinary. Besides the fact, I just make this point, is that I think one of the things which motivates, you know, uh, Home Affairs and Border Force is that it has been the phones inside the detention centres which have played such a big role in revealing, you know, the assaults and misbehaviour, the lack of uh, adequate preparation uh, for, you know, COVID, the lack of you know, social distancing, the lack of PPE and so forth inside the detention centres, which seems to most people to be the, you know, really the, the motivation uh, for the... Yeah, the home the home affairs bill. It's got nothing to do. They like to talk about the numbers of sex offenders who are in uh, detention and criminal elements who are in det- in detention. Um, I don't think really there's got it's got anything to do with that. It's got it's got everything to do with uh, home affairs not wanting uh, any any kind of scrutiny of their behaviour inside those uh, detention centres. And just quickly, because I know we we need to wrap up soon, but in terms of Labor and the Greens, what's their position? Uh, Labor and the Greens have both said that they will um, they oppose the the bill. So they've they've, out, they've come out quite strongly, and uh, so Labor and, Labor and the Greens have said they will vote against this bill, which is great. Um, the vast majority of crossbenchers. Um, it will come down to the question of Jackie Lambie's vote in the Senate. Absolutely. And finally, Ian, can you comment on how the right of right to protest has been? eroded in regards to the, the during the pandemic um, yes, well, uh, well, you know, we've organised quite a number of protests, including protests that have been around the the question of mobile mobile phones uh, right through the pandemic. I mean, usually the um, the major refugee rally is held on you know Palm Sunday, the Sunday uh, before um, Easter, Easter holiday. Uh, they they were called off you know this year um, because of because of COVID, but. Uh, even though a number of organisations, including Refugee Action Coalition, have organised protests, you know that have been within the guidelines, within the stated guidelines, there has been um, you know, very serious police mobilisations to uh, disrupt um, and not just to disrupt the protests, but to suppress the protests and to find people, uh, to charge people with incitement. Uh, people, including myself, have got letters, uh, you know, indicating that, uh, you know, the police were aware of my attendance at particular protests and, uh, you know, that I would be the subject of further, you know, surveillance should I be part of any uh, protests in the, you know, in the future. So uh, I think it's not just the Black Lives Matter refugees. We've seen uh, unions, uh, you know, organising uh, similarly. We're going to see uh, climate protesters uh, you know, over, the, over the next week, um, and all of those the organisations have run up against the way in which the authorities are very clearly using you know, the uh, COVID restrictions to try and stand you know, on the right to protest. I mean, I won't need to go into all those details, but it's just absurd you know, when you can have a situation, you can have thousands of people in stadiums for sport events in New South Wales... Um, you try to have you know 20 people at a university to protest about cuts, or as we did, uh, socially distanced protests about you know about the mobile phones, and uh, you face um, you know hordes of police uh, using the COVID regulations to 
uh, deny people the, you know, the right to protest. So I think we have to be very alert uh, to the way in which the COVID regulations uh, have been, uh, are being used by the authorities uh, to remove a very important right for people uh, you know, in, uh, in the general community to be able to, uh, to protest and you know, fight for their rights. Indeed, and in fact, you know, you've mentioned social distancing and should there be places in Victoria, you've got to wear masks as well and all the sanitizer. But it sounds to me as though what's happening here is that there are increased police powers and also those letters are simply unnecessary and it's against, it's against the law to send letters like that. Um, well, I haven't, I haven't checked that, that out, but I could... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, no, I agree. I agree entirely, and it seems to me it's kind of a, um, you know, it's it's a, a, a form of intimidation. Uh, you know, like it's it's an allegation, but the police are saying, you know, in those in the letters, we have identified you as someone who has breached. Well, good luck to them. But the question of whether you know I have or have not breached is not a question of the police opinion. That's something that is determined, you know, by the court. So I think there's no doubt that those those letters, which were issued to a number of people in involved in the, the last uh, you know, big rally that we tried to organise in Sydney are, are just a form you know, of intimidation. And the fact we've seen them now against Black Lives Matter, against refugees, we've seen serious police action against uh, you know, students and staff you know, protesting against the cuts in the university sector in, uh, in New South Wales. And as I said, you can have thousands of people in a stadium to watch a sport event. Uh, you can't have more than, you know, 20 people uh, at, you know, at a protest outside. And so there are... I, I think it's beyond, you know, it's beyond question, I think, that the authorities, the state authorities, are using COVID regulations to stand on the right to protest. And there's a, it's a very serious uh, attack on uh, de democratic rights under the guise of being concerned about health. Ian, thank you so much for coming onto the program. We're going to be having Chris Breen up next. And we'll be continuing this discussion and having a look at a number of events that are happening in Victoria. It's lovely to have you, Ian. OK, thanks, Marissa. Good luck. Stay safe. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Victoria Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show and very soon we're going to be speaking with Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective. And I just wanted to give a very quick intro before we do that. So while preventing COVID-19 continues to be a primary concern for society, protests can play an important role in protecting public health. Crushing dissent leaves us at the whims of government and makes it harder to fight for justice for Aboriginal people, refugee rights, for workplace rights or for improvements 
to public health like pandemic leave for all. We're going to be speaking with Chris Breen shortly about a number of events that are coming up in Victoria, in Melbourne in particular, and we'll be continuing our discussion in regards to the possibly the, the possible bill that's coming through with these draconian laws, proposed laws to stop mobile phones for coming, from coming in, uh, sorry, from being used by refugees and asylum seekers. And we'll also be looking at an event coming up that Melbourne Activist Legal Support is, is organising in regards to the right to protest. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me on. Great to have you. Chris, I'm wondering if you could just start off talking about, um, you know, what, what's, what's been happening and just talk about the action that's coming up um, in October for refugee rights. Okay. Um, I was just uh, listening to the last bit of Ian speaking. He's probably covered yes. a lot of what's been happening with the phones, um, yes. which are a you know lifeline for refugees, and it is the government trying to silence you know anything about coming out about conditions inside detention. Um, you know, Beirut wrote his whole um, uh, novel and, and film on a mobile phone. Uh, you know, in the early days of Manus and Nauru, mobile phones had to be smuggled in to get stories out. Um, so we've got a uh, protest coming up on um, Saturday, October 3 and Sunday, October the 4th. Um, it's going to be after restrictions are eased on September 28th, so it's going to be the first in-person protest for um, a while. Um, it'll be... We'll have... Um, within the um, guidelines, which is so anybody who lives within five kilometres of the Mantra Hotel in Preston, we're going to have protests in groups of um, two and space those out during the day so that there's, uh, you know, breaks between them. Um, and we're going to start off with a, a media conference as well because it seems at media conferences you're allowed to get more people to turn up at them. Um, and... The, the the action is to um, highlight the bill uh, that we want the vote to go against it. That it you know the it's the the crime against refugees is just beyond words at this stage. You know, um, six years offshore detained, over a year here, and now to have the last sort of lifeline to the outside world, it's it's going to crush people. Um, and so, you know, we're calling on uh, Senator Lambie, whose, um, you know, vote it will come down to, uh, to, um, you know, uh, reject the uh, bill. And um, if you want to sign up for the action, you can do that on Facebook. So we're asking people who are uh, participating to sign up so we can put people into pairs. And if you don't live within five kilometres of the mantra, we're also going to trial... Um, a uh, hologram uh, protest. So some of those pairs will uh, be getting images of people who are sent into us and projecting that as a hologram outside the, the Mansa Hotel. I imagine the five kilometre the five kilometre limit will not be lifted in, September, in the end of September. No, no, that, that seems unlikely. So the, the people who are in pairs are going to be within that five kilometre uh, radius and people who are outside the radius, we're asking them to send us um, pictures of themselves so they can be part of the, the um, process. We can virtually project project that. 
um, onto uh, the, the you know the, the grounds outside the mantra where uh, refugees are being held. Yeah, it's it's really incredibly incredibly dangerous, isn't it, Chris? I mean, abuse does thrive behind closed doors, and honestly, these laws are really an attempt by the government to stop us seeing what's really going on in immigration detention, isn't it? Um, it is. It's it's because of mobile phones that all sorts of stories have um, you know gotten out. Um, some of the you know uh, footage from the you know the, the attacks that uh, that murdered uh, Reza Barati, um, other incidents of uh, you know uh, people having uh, people being beaten within detention. Um, I mean, even things like the the lack of personal protective equipment, the hand sanitizers that are empty, the people crowded into tiny rooms, unable to you know protect themselves from COVID nineteen. All of this has come out by mobile phones. I mean, it's also the case that phones are a lifeline more generally for refugees to talk to their families, to speak to their lawyers, to, to ask questions of advocates. It's, um, it, it's you know, it, it is abhorrent uh, to think that they could be, um, you know, taken. I mean, the, and, where's and obviously the, the bigger solution is just to let people out. It's, it's way too That's long. That's it. Let people out indeed. And where's the evidence that, that these new powers are needed? Uh, there is no evidence um, whatsoever, absolutely none. Uh, what uh, Peter Dutton and his mates have tried to drum up is the fact that they are now holding uh, the so-called 501s um, in detention as well as refugees. Um, you know, these are people who've spent uh, more than a year in jail. Um, these are usually people who've grown up and spent their whole lives um in Australia, uh, but because of a, a law the coalition passed, they're, if they're not Australian citizens, they're liable to be deported, you know, even if they've been here, they're now 50 and they were born here and they've been here since they were two, but if they aren't citizens, they're liable to be deported. Um, and so they're trying to uh, talk about criminals in detention and that's why they're trying to talk about the need to take phones, but they're, you know, uh, those people have served their time and they should be... Um, you know, released into the community along with anybody else who served their time in jail. Uh, you know, there shouldn't be uh, special laws based on people's visa status. Absolutely. And I believe also that there's an event organised by Melbourne Activist Legal Support on Saturday. Could you talk about that? Yeah, we've, we've got two other events coming up. One that we're participating in with Melbourne Activist Legal Support, um, David... Uh, Justice for David Dungay Jr. campaign um, and uh, RMIT uh, branch of the NTU, uh, which is um, an event called Upholding the Right to Protest During the Pandemic. And so um, there's uh, David, uh, sorry, Paul Silver, who's the nephew for, um, of David Dungay Jr., um, who was uh, killed um, in uh, jail, uh, another death in custody. Um, he'll be speaking. He was part of some organising uh, protests which were uh, banned, Black Lives Matter ones, in uh, New South Wales. Uh, Sam uh, Gibbard, who's the uh, president of the um, RMIT uh, at Tertiary Education Union, 
who's fighting huge job cuts and they've organised um, car convoy protests and other things. Um, I'll be speaking, um, uh, and um, Dr Maria O'Sullivan, who is a uh, senior law lecturer at Monash Uni, a human rights lawyer, will also be speaking about you know, what we can do uh, to win, well, to restore the right to protest that technically we are supposed to have, but it's being uh, taken away. And and what we can do to 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 ensure that protest you know um, does happen and that we are able to do everything from act in solidarity with refugees to address things like you know the need for um, pandemic leave um, for all during the, the the crisis. And in fact, refugee and Black Lives Matter protests have been banned, haven't they, in New South Wales and and Queensland? despite there being no community transmission of COVID-19? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's absolutely clear that the uh, COVID-19 and health is being used as an excuse to crack down on the rights to protest. You know, when you have 40,000 people, I think, now going to be at the um, grand final um, in sports uh, stadiums, uh, but you can't have groups of, um, you know, small protests of, of 20. I mean, even... The absurd thing of the the uni protest the other day, uh, groups of 20 uh, protesting the job cuts at Sydney Uni um, and, you know, threatened, fined, one person spent the night in jail and then they have to go back onto campus to teach at, to 30 groups of 30 or more. Um, you know, oh. it, it, it really is um, abhorrent and we do need a you know broad uh, coalition of groups committed to democratic right to protest um, otherwise we are at the whims of um, government you know the we are at the the whims of whatever um, happens to to come along uh, so we've got that forum on the right to uh, protest and also we rack is holding an online rally uh, for my court mention uh, which is now contest mentioned on October the 2nd, which is also going to be an important legal test of the right to protest. Um, where is that going to so, be held? Well, the, the, the court mention is now a online hearing. Um, oh. but the rack, So we're holding a rally immediately before that, an online rally, and so that's going to be 1 o'clock on Friday, October the 2nd. If you go to our uh, Facebook site of the Refugee Action Collective in Victoria, you'll find that. Um, and so I've been charged with incitement for being, you know, helping to organise a safe car convoy protest on October, uh, sorry, on April the 10th. Uh, no more than two people per car, nobody getting out of their cars. Um, you know, this was uh, well before the stage four kind of restrictions as well. Um, and so not only were 30 refugee supporters fined a total of $50,000, um, I've been charged with incitement. And so, you know, the ability for a future protests to take place, uh, you know, during um, the pandemic, you know, really is at stake um, in this court case. I mean, RAC warned at the start about incitement charge being used more broadly. That's happened. Um, an IMARC protester, uh, Jerem Small, has been charged with incitement in retrospect from a protest um, uh, last year. And if you look at the, the roadmap to ease restrictions, like even if there's no 
community cases and no transmission, uh, the Andrews government is still only talking about public gatherings of 50 people, aside from sporting events, um, essentially suspending the right to protest indefinitely. Um, and I, I do think that needs to be challenged. And when is he proposing... When's that roadmap happening for the 50 people? Uh, that is based on... Uh, I have to go, go back and look. So the, the, the first... Uh, the next uh, restrictions being lifted is on the 28th of September, which moves to having five people from two households less than um, two kilometres. And they're talking about after the 23rd of November... If there are no new cases for 14 days, uh, you know, which is quite a benchmark in the first case, and they're still saying even if there's no cases for uh, 14 days, uh, public gatherings of up to 50 people is the most that will be allowed. That's um, crazy, Chris. Yeah. So, so just as, just so that listeners are aware, and also looking at the implications for protests, whether that be refugees or other other. Um, campaigns. So does that mean that on the, uh, from the 28th of September, all going well, does that mean people can't have visitors or that you can't actually be together inside or outside your home still? Uh, my understanding is if, if things go well, which they seem to have been doing, that from the 28th, yes, you can. It's up, up to five people inside or outside. Inside but or outside. Only from, only from two households. Uh, so you can't have, you know, say three people from three different households. There has to be five people from two different households, and the five-kilometre limit still applies. And that seems to be indefinite, doesn't it? Um, well, until until they meet this the the, the other target that they're talking about. Um, so yes, it's it's it does seem we're going to have some kind of restrictions in place for a very long time under That's the current roadmap. Right Yes. So basically, that not only will it erode the right to protest, but also the right to assemble and the right to have meetings as well. In, in, in uh, yes, it would it would affect it would affect all of um, affect all of those things. So we really do need to to get together, lawyers and unionists and. Um, all people from all sections of the community to talk about this. Uh, yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that we need, you know, unions have um, copped uh, quite a few fines uh, for holding various um, protests during the pandemic, but have been, you know, uh, relatively silent about it. I do think they're going to need to, to start to, to speak up more about the democratic rights which are being uh, eroded. Um, you know, I'd like to see sections of the Labor Party, um, Greens, uh, speak out um, uh, more on these uh, issues. Um, you know, I've certainly received a lot of support from um, Fitzroy Legal Centre. Uh, Melbourne activist uh, legal support has been, you know, uh, very good in uh, uh, taking up the question of the right to protest, uh, but we, we need more people to understand what is at stake here and rights which are taken off if we if we don't struggle for them it, it, you know can be taken off in the longer term um, so I think it's important important for us to to raise these questions now 
Um, and particularly for the you know refugees who've been protesting you know virtually every day inside detention, um, and it has made it harder to build the supports outside. Um, the you know the refugee movement has been a a street based movement. You know, there's been bits of industrial action, but it's by and large been a, a street based movement. And we you know have no intention of letting people um, struggle alone inside detention centres. Um, you know, these people need to be released. Indeed they do. And finally, would you just be able to just uh, give listeners a little bit of an account of what in the charge of incitement is? I know we have covered it extensively on the show, but it, all, it is always good to revisit this topic in case new listeners have tuned in. Uh, incitement is essentially inciting uh, somebody else or a group of people to do something. Uh, usually it's it's used in terms of, you know, incite to murder, you know, you hire a hit person or something. Um, or um, it's it's rarely used in terms of um, protest and political issues, which it has been expanded to now. The last time it was used in that way was the case of the Oz Study 5 in 1992, uh, when student protests ran up um, past police up Parliament steps and five of the organisers were charged with incitement. Uh, they were found not guilty and it hasn't been used um, since then. So it it is important. Uh, well, not, it's a, in, in a bad way, it's, it's, it's setting a precedent. It also sets a possible precedent that can be used against anybody, against uh, climate protesters, against Black Lives Matter protesters, um, against... Unions, like at the moment, there's only a very narrow legal window through when unions can legally take industrial action. And if they were to do something outside that, you know, it opens the prospect of um, union officials or organisers being charged with incitement. It is a very dangerous um, uh, charge. Um, in my case, uh, the, the charge is incitement to break the, the health laws, which, um, you know, I'll be pleading not guilty to. Um, and uh, yeah, it's and hopefully we will uh, win that in court. Yeah, I mean, it, Chris, it looks really bleak. I mean, the fact that this state of emergency is going to be going for at least twelve—no, sorry, six months—and it's actually quite scary. Uh, it's it's certainly taking a huge toll on um, people. And, you know, it's um, taking a huge toll on, uh, you know, it's <laughs> a differential toll on people. Uh, so, you know, refugees and uh, temporary migrants have been left off JobKeeper and JobSeeker. It's obviously easy to, you know, easier to isolate if you're in a, a Turek mansion compared if you're, you know, in a tiny little uh, apartment or, you know, public housing towers that had a hard lockdown. Um, and, uh, you know, perhaps beyond my remit as a, a refugee uh, spokesperson, but there there are a whole range of things that I, I think, the, um, you know, that need to be put in place uh, to make these sort of things less likely. You know, the contract tracing, the testing, the quarantine, the, you know, it's the, the, if we're looking at where the spread is, it's... Um, in, in workplaces, um, it's in aged care. It's, um, yeah, and sort of certainly casualisation and privatisation has been a, a big part of, of why that's happened. 
Thank you for mentioning that, Chris, because that's really pertinent. It's very important. Casualisation and privatisation, it's basically an exposure, isn't it, of the way that the system, the system really is? Um, yes, yes, it is. I mean, you see that inside detention as well. You've got, you know, the, the private um, circo uh, managing things and you know, uh, very, almost no accountability, and that'll be even less with phones. You know, refugees complain about being uh, searched and handled by uh, guards who are not wearing gloves or not wearing uh, protective equipment. And, you know, they're, they're, they're essentially, you know, almost powerless. You're, you're trapped inside 24 hours a day, can't get out of their rooms 23 hours a day with people who have absolute control over your life. And this has happened for seven years and it's breaking people and people continue to break. Um, their physical health is being deteriorated. Their mental health is being uh, deteriorated. People with mental health conditions cannot get better in these conditions. You add on top of that the fear and the threat of COVID-19. It, it, it just, uh, I mean, this is not to say that the coronavirus isn't real because it is real. Oh, absolutely. We we know, you know, only too we're only too well aware of the threat of coronavirus to the health of refugees. It is very real. You know, the deaths in Victoria are very real. Um, there's already been a security guard tested positive at the Mantra. The security guard tested positive in Brisbane, um, and we're saying it's you know it's it's only a matter of time um, before uh, COVID uh, gets in. You know, we found there's been um, there've been uh, low risk uh, prisoners who've been released. There've been people who've had uh, you know bail uh, not imposed, but refugees are people who committed no crime uh, are, are stuck inside. Um, yes. And <laughs> these are people who should be in the community in any case. I mean, there are already people who came under the Medivac laws. Sorry, came for medical treatment um, yes. who are in the community. Um, that's where it's safer for them, it's safer for the, the whole community, and that's what we're calling on the, um, the government to do. If they're serious about health, uh, then release the, the refugees from detention. Absolutely. And, Chris, sorry, I've kept you a little bit longer. I hope that's OK, because I, I felt like we, you know, I wanted to just ask you a, a question in regards to, in your opinion, OK? Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with this, how would you propose to manage the public health regulations? What do you think it would be a fair a fair way to deal with all this? What's happening in Victoria in particular? How would I? Okay, I, in this case, I should make it clear. Like, there's there's a range of different views within of uh, the refugee are. action collective within the refugee movement. I'm, I'm very yeah, much yeah. Just as a, just as a political activist, here. I, I'd like to hear because we I often ask this in terms of perspective. You know, how what what would you feel? I mean, for, like for example, let me give you an example. Yeah. Like so, I for example would would like the fact that there's there needs to be more room in regards to protest. There's got to be a way to um, improve the mental health I of think, people, to at least have some visitors, for example, you know, yeah, things like that. I, I think protest should be able to take place. Um, protest is a very low-risk activity. It takes place outdoors. 
um, in like in the car convoy that we held is almost zero uh, risk. Yeah. But even the much bigger uh, Black Lives Matter protests, which everybody wore a mask, um, you know, there there've been no cases of transmission from that protest. Um, it's clear that the Black Lives Matter protest in the United States didn't lead to any uptick in transmission there either. It's inside um, for long periods of time at close quarters where the risk of COVID-19 is the uh, greatest. Um, you know, if, if I was managing public health, I would be putting more resources into the testing so we're getting the results back within 24 hours, uh, putting enough resources into the uh, tracing to have proper, comfortable quarantine, uh, you know, not managed by outsourced security who had almost no uh, training. I think you probably need some workplace redesign as well uh, to make uh, workplaces safer. And you, you need to do things like take aged care back into um, public hands. I mean, it's, it's huge. I think it's what, 65% of the deaths have been in aged care homes. Um, if this is not something that people didn't know was happening. You go back to March, around the world, 40% of deaths were in aged care. Um, and if you look at Victoria, it's the, the, the private homes where most of the, the uh, cases and deaths have happened in public, where you've got guaranteed ratios of 1 to 15 for nurses and a more permanent workforce. Uh, it's been able to, either the, the threat's been able to be managed uh, better. You know, you need decent uh, public uh, PPE equipment. I mean, still today in the papers, you've got doctors and nurses saying they don't have adequate equipment. It's, um, you know, when these basic things aren't happening, uh, you know, uh, lockdowns are sort of last resort uh, panic measure. That's exactly right and quite draconian. Okay, so we're just going to end pretty soon, but can you can you talk about, um, can you just advertise the event again, please? that's co-hosted by Refugee Action Collective and uh, other organisations for event, which will be complying with, with all of the uh, regulations, is on um, uh, October 3rd and 4th. The phones are a lifeline for the refugees. Uh, if you want to take part in that action, uh, go to Refugee Action Collective Facebook uh, page and register. Wonderful. And how do people register if they want to attend this Saturday um, for the online event organised by Mel? Uh, again, if they go to either the RAC Facebook page or the yep. um, uh, Melbourne Activist Legal Support uh, Facebook page or just, you know, Google upholding the right to protest during the pandemic, uh, you'll find the event and there's an Eventbrite registration link on that page and so people can register there. Chris, thank you so much for your time. It was great talking to you and um, hope to see you sometime at one of these events. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks. Thanks. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. The current world in which the higher education sector operates is characterized by profit and power. And as universities are further incorporated into global neoliberalism, 
these ideas of the public good face the most serious threat that they have ever faced. COVID pandemic, besides highlighting all of the other fissures in society, has also really highlighted the terrible inequalities that have long existed within the sector. The precarity, the overwork, declining mental health caused by intensifying privatization and the privileging of profits at all costs, and students who should be our co-learners in this process face mounting debt. If this pandemic has done nothing else, it has shown us that this system in its current iteration is unsustainable. We have to organize and fight against it. There is no other way. There is no alternative to quote somebody who shall remain nameless. You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR. And you're back with the Doing Time show. It's approximately 4.51. And I just wanted to thank our guests for coming onto the show. This show was dedicated or is dedicated to asylum seekers and refugees. And we we had, first of all, you listened to an interview with Ian from the Refugee Action, sorry, the Refugee Action Coalition in New South Wales. And then after that was Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collecting Collective. Just before I go, I just wanted, and we wrap up the show, I just wanted to talk about very quickly and just to summarise yet again an event, the event that was being co-hosted, sorry, the event that's being co-hosted by Refugee Action Collective, Justice for David Dungo campaign and Melbourne Activist Legal Support, MELS. And for tickets, um, go onto the Melbourne Activist Support website or there's a website, www.eventbrite.au, upholding the right to protest. And it starts at 2 o'clock this Saturday, and I believe that would be the... Yeah, this Saturday, I believe, the, tw- the 23rd. Is it the 21st? So the 24th, sorry. So this Saturday, speakers are Paul Silver, nephew of David Dungai Jr. and an organiser of Ban July 28th, I Can't Breathe Protest in New South Wales. Sam Gibbard, President of RMIT, NTEU, and an organiser of Bike and Car Convoy Protest Against Job Cuts. And Dr Maria O'Sullivan, Senior Law Lecturer at Monash Uni and a member of the Carston Centre for Human Rights Law. And Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective, activist charged with incitement for car convoy pro- convoy protest. And before we finish, I'll just quickly read out the the blurb there, just so that people have an idea of what it's about. So COVID-19 has been used as a pretext for clamping down on the democratic right to protest. Refugee and Black Lives Matter protests have been banned in New South Wales and Queensland despite no community transmission of COVID-19 at the time. In Melbourne, refugee supporters, unionists and Black Lives Matter organisers have received massive fines for protests. Chris Breen, a Refugee Action Collective activist, has been charged with incitement for a safe car convoy protest drawing attention to the risk of COVID-19 to indefinitely detained refugees. And then on October the 2nd, 
And we've talked all about this today, but I just wanted to draw attention to listeners one more time. October the 2nd, online hearing. As Mel's has said, the charge of incitement is a repressive tool that could easily be used preemptively against any protest organisers where police think a crime committed, a crime can, might be committed. That's a huge concern. The charge has now been used retrospectively against an activist involved in the protest against the 2019 IMARC conference, as well as against anti-lockdown conspiracy protesters. While preventing COVID-19 continues to be a primary concern, protests can play an important role in protecting public health. Crushing dissent leaves us at the whims of government and makes it harder to fight for justice for Aboriginal people, refugee rights for workplace rights, or for improvements to public health like pandemic leave for all. So do see if you can come, go along to some of those events and, and, um, and, and see what can be done there to, to learn more about how we can protect the right to protest. OK, well, it's goodbye from Marissa. It's approximately 4.55. And we're going out now with our, our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella from the Rumpy Band. And sorry, I think it's the 25th of September, Saturday at 2 o'clock. It's this Saturday anyway. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit blank on, on the date at the moment, but it, it is definitely this Saturday for that event. So it's goodbye from the Doin' Time Show. Stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doin' Time Show. Bye. A true fella, as long as you are real fella.